Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Philadelphia Sports Table podcast show, the longest-running weekly Philly sports podcast show in the world. Thanks for joining us this week. Whenever you are listening to this, we are recording Wednesday night, November 18, 2020, the night of the 2020 NBA draft, the Sixers draft. We are going to get into it on this show. I'm Jeff Warren, and I'm here with my good buddy Eric Leonard, man. How are you, Eric? NBA, man, draft is here. I can't believe it. You know, 2020 has been a, just a cesspool of BS, uh, <laughs> start to finish. But uh, tonight's one of the best nights of the year for me personally. The NBA draft—it's ongoing right now—and uh, combine that with uh, kicking Al Horford out of the building. Oh, oh, oh! And, and I've won two four-team parlays in national soccer the past two nights, winning two hundred dollars. Face 2020 in your face. <laughs> Are you, I didn't know you were that much into soccer. I'm not at all. I could care less. Okay. Uh, my my brother knows it really well, and he was giving me tips, and I was taking favorites and putting some money on it. Just you know, apparently, apparently, international friendlies are very easy to uh, are very is easy money is what I found out. And oh, I, really? I did nice. Yeah, yeah. I need to get into this. I, I should have after my first two nights ago, my first win. I should have I should have sent you guys some picks from last night. Uh, yeah, my, my brother's sending me n- names like, you know, Mosterlov from Poland's really good. I, I don't care uh, who's who's going to win. Like, I don't give a crap <laughs> about the players. I didn't watch a second of it. I just want I just want to win money. Well, that's great, man. That is great. You're winning money. Oh man, I got to get into this more. I need a gambling problem. I think that's what I need now. <laughs> you know what? It's just added to the list of problems. 2020, fantastic. Yeah. I, you know, I. <laughs> drinking and it just hey we well, you know let's, let's add gambling to the mix why the hell? <laughs> exactly <laughs> but the best thing i think that has happened i'm not even kidding i think the best thing that has happened in the world of philly sports here in 2020 is the news that came out today eric that the sixers new general manager daryl morey he listen he took over this philadelphia 76ers front office i'm sorry he's not the gm what the hell am i talking about but it but it feels like he's the gm doesn't it i think he has final say over any move yeah. um 
his official title is president of operations. I, to me, it really feels like the Horford trade occurred because he has a great relationship with Sam Presti, and that's kind of how it went came to fruition. Uh, I, I've seen some horrible takes on Twitter. Absolutely. That it was a bad trade for the Sixers. I, you people are, 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 are smoking crap. I, I don't know what to tell you. They're like, idiots. They're idiots. They, ha- they had to give up a first-round pick to move that albatross of a contract. And, uh, I mean, if, if you if you have a bad contract and you're willing to give a first-round pick, Oklahoma City is going to talk to you. Um, the, the draft pick we're giving up, if this team really is can compete for the next four years, who cares? It's a late first-rounder. Uh, you no longer are paying Al Horford, what, $80 million over the next three years? I mean, it, they're they're now under the cap. Uh, I like the pick they made tonight. I mean, this is just this is a good day for the Sixers. It's a great day, and I think that's why. And I honestly think it is the best day in Philly sports here in 2020. Of course, we saw a lot of success with the Philadelphia Flyers this year, but uh, we know how that ended. We know how that kind of fizzled, and uh, and I shouldn't say kind of fizzled. It definitely fizzled in the playoffs. But Boy, this Al Horford move fizzled, here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this Al Horford move here is fantastic. The, I just a few months ago, Eric, we're talking about okay, what is the dream scenario here? What's the dream scenario for the Sixers heading into this offseason? And it was getting rid of the Al Horford contract, even over other guys on the team too. Um, oh my gosh, I'm freaking forgetting his name. I'm forget the other the other guy they brought in last year. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, the guy were overpaying Tobias Harris. Tobias, anyway. Jesus, <laughs> yeah, Tobias. So it's like moving one of those guy guys. But it was Al Horford that we wanted to see gone. Everybody's saying it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It does, and it's not like it was this year's first round pick or even next year's first round pick or 2023 first round pick. No, it's a 2025 protected first, a lightly protected uh, first round pick. And I, I, I like that. And they get in Danny Green, Terrence Ferguson. Listen, Danny Green, the guy can st- he can still shoot, and I think that he is going to be able to bring this team a little something that they haven't had in the past. Eric and, I, and Ferguson, of course, different story. If he learns how to shoot a little bit better, spread the floor, um, you know, he's going to make a decent chunk of money for himself in the future. I think. But look, he's he's fourth. Fourth year in the league, I think, at this point. And I know his second year, he was putting up something like 36.6% accuracy on his uh, three-point attempts. That is significantly down, I think, under 30%, around 29% or so from deep this past year. And there's still room, I think, in a higher ceiling for Ferguson to possibly grow. With the talent they have, fine. Or the talent they received, fine, with Green and Ferguson, but the fact that Al Horford is not here anymore, they were able to keep Ben, they were able to keep Joel Embiid, they're going to be moving forward with these guys, and there is a new head coach, we've got new front office operations here, I'm loving what I'm seeing from the Sixers. Not only that, um, I mean the Ferguson kid they threw in, if he if he pans out to be a 10th man, that, that's fine. Um, if Danny Green's your 8th or ninth best player, I, I, I can swallow that. I'm fine uh, with it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, one of the big, besides moving on from that Horford contract, was they also created a trade exception, um, which which Daryl Morey will absolutely use at some point this season. Uh, I don't know the exact financial structure of that trade exception, how much it's worth, but they didn't have one prior, and now they do, and they actually have some cap money maybe to play around with. <clears throat> um, and 
you know, Maury might not be done. Like that's, I, I, I like the maxi pick at 21. Um, Kentucky guards uh, have a really good, uh, have a really good, uh, a good really track good, record. Good track record in the league. I mean, Devin Booker, and especially Kentucky guards that weren't superstars, right? Right. Uh, you know, he could pan out. He might not be on the team tomorrow. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. Daryl Morey could use that trade exception already uh, and, and package that kid and, and something else. We, I, I highly doubt he's done. I, I, this is not a finished product whatsoever. Um, I, I I don't think he's done. I, I'm if they if they keep the maxi kid, that's great. He's got to work on his outside shot, but he's probably the best one of the best shot creators in the in, in the whole draft. Um, so I, either way, it's a win win. If he if he stays and he pans out, great. If you use him for something in a trade, using that exception that was comes off the the Horford dump. That's I mean, it, this is just this is the this is the perfect day that the Sixers needed. Besides, like somehow moving up and getting a, a better play, but I, I don't think this was the draft to move up. So I, I think this is actually the best case scenario for this team today. You've been saying on the show recently, Eric, that, you know, there's going to be value in this draft right in the middle of the draft here. And if it is maxi, uh, being picked 21st overall here, um, you know, he's, he's a young guard. He shot 42% from the field, 29% from three. I know that's not all that fantastic. 14 points per game while at Kentucky. You know, I don't mind this pick at all. And that's that's being on the court for 35 minutes. I don't mind this pick at all. And I, I think that you're absolutely right. Maxie could be out of here <laughs> in, 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 a, in a couple weeks, if not sooner. I, I just like that there's some sort of, at least it seems like it. And I don't know if I have this high hopes mentality, but it seems like there's some sort of direction now really coming from this Sixers front office. They're not just going to go out, give these max contracts. Of course, they couldn't do that anyway this se- this offseason. But it, it does seem like maybe there's some more direction with Maury here at the helm. That Horford trade does not occur if it's just Elton Brand at the helm, in my opinion. I don't think there's any any doubt. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the smart and going back to the maxi pick, um, which, you know, you got to kind of hand to Daryl as well. You know, he, he, he likes, he likes shot creators. He likes shooting. Just look at Houston, right? Uh, maxi makes a lot of sense. And the really smart people on Twitter are saying that maxi was a, a phenomenal pick that he fell probably five or six spots, maybe maybe four or five lower than he should have. He he went four or five slots lower than he probably should have. So I trust those types. Like Jackson Frank, like absolutely loves his pick. Uh, he's one guy I respect. Kevin O'Connor really likes this pick. I I, I, I think whether they keep him or not, it, it's great move. Um, I, I, I like Desmond Bain. I've talked about that, but I, you know, they kind of already had – Matisse Thibel, if they wanted to trade back and get Bain, I would have been okay with that. But you know what? Just stay where you're at. Take the kid you want. Uh, he can, if you can develop a three point shot, even better. Um, I, I, this is like the first positive day for the Sixers in a, in a in while. 2020, by far. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the playoffs were a debacle. <laughs> Embiid was out of shape, of course. Uh, those contracts were just, just an anchor on the team. And now it just, it just feels a little lighter. It feels like the team actually, you know, I can't believe they're going to start. At Christmas week already, yeah. Like now, I'm really getting, I'm starting to really get excited. Uh, it's yeah, and, and with Daryl Morey running things, and and possibly more moves to be made. Like this is all of a sudden the Sixers, are they the the team, the top team of Philly? Like, 
I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, it flips week to week in this town. It does. Uh, the Sixers might be it. I don't know. It, it's it's really interesting to think about. Let us know what you're thinking out there. Feedback at PhiladelphiaSportsTable.com. We'll read your email here on the show and respond to it. Um, really quick, though, with regard to this NBA draft, Eric, I wanted to get your opinion. I'm, I'm watching, of course, and it's like every single guy – Every single player, they're asking, so what does this really mean to you? And these guys, and boy, I felt bad for Maxi because he like really broke that. He went, Ugh! I don't know if you heard that at all, but every guy's crying and it's the same question. What does this mean to you? Thanks, ESPN. We got it. Well, it's because it's a soft generation and that's the way we, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, I, 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 I hate how they... They, they I, like I think on this show last week I was like, you know, commercials that try to tug at my heartstrings. I hate that crap. Yeah, <laughs> really, and, and that's what ESPN does with these interviews. They try to make these kids cry. I mean, the the kid that got picked, I think, by the Cavs, whose I think brother passed away. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I knew it was coming, but it's like, did you have to do it? The mom's sitting right there next to him. Of course, she's gonna lose it. And it was like right there, right off the bat, too. Boy, congratulations on getting drafted. So you had a family member die. And, and and you combine it with this. This is the best day of these kids' lives. Yeah, they're instant millionaires. Like it's they're playing a sport that they grew up playing, and that's their job now. My God, I'd be bawling my eyes out too. It just sucks that it has to be on TV, and then it really sucks if you're Maxi and you're crying like you're like twelve again, <laughs> and you got baseball on in the game. Like he did. <laughs> he did. I know. I really felt bad for the kid. I really did because he made that type of thing. Yeah, he really he went the high pitch cry, which you you, you hate to see. You know, yeah. I, yeah if I, I'm sure I've done it in my life, but you know, hopefully no one was watching when I did it. All right. Again, let us know what you're thinking about where the Sixers are going here. If you like the draft pick. Uh, again, we're still in the middle of this draft as we're recording this here. We've only gotten the 21st pick. Uh, the uh, Sixers still have another second-round pick here, so uh, we're probably not going to get to that by the time the show is over. But uh, moving on, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Eric. Oh, my God, this team. I told Len, I'm not even kidding. I told Len, I'm like, I don't know if I can make you guys do the post-game shows anymore. <laughs> I may just have to uh, see if we have some friends of the show that want to come on, enjoy some, uh, you know, enjoy some time, hit that, hitting the record button, because, my God, it's just... It, it, it was just awful. Len and I are doing the post-game show after the Eagles-Giants game, and it's like, it was the most boring game ever, and I'm thinking to myself afterward... I mean, which Eagles coach should and will be the first to fall when this season is all said and done? Because it's coming. It is coming for sure. And I, I personally think that it's going to be Jim Schwartz. I, I think it's going to be Schwartz, even though, look, the guy's resume is not terrible as a defensive coordinator. I mean, it was as a head coach, but his defense allowed 27 points and 382 total yards to a Giants team that came into this past Sunday as the fifth worst offense in all of professional football. I mean, freaking Daniel Jones looked like a damn Hall of Famer, for God's sake. And I'm not sure if you watched all of the game or even some of the game, but I'm looking at this defense, and it's the same crap over and over. Jim Schwartz is so stubborn with the scheming that he implements. And listen, once upon a time, Schwartz Schwartz was genuinely one of the best defensive coordinators in football. 
wasn't very flashy, but he was get he got the job done for for quite some time. But as we're here in this season, I mean, it's starting to feel like that rigid way of doing things is just really outdated. Young players are not developing. The free agents aren't coming in and adjusting appropriately. And I think most importantly, they're just not getting any results on the field. No turnovers. They still cannot generate turnovers. It's amazing to me. And then what's even more frustrating is you see guys like Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones who they got rid of, they're at at this particular moment thriving with other teams. So I I think Jim Schwartz is going to be that first coach to be gone. I don't think it's going to be Doug. Um, It's going to be interesting to hear what uh, R.J. Ochoa from bloggingtheboys.com, he's he's the interview we're throwing down on the table this week, what he's going to say, because I know we're going to be talking about each team in the NFC East. Um, I know I didn't even intro (laughs) at the beginning of the show what we were going to be doing and talking about this week, but uh, I think it's Jim Schwartz. He's going to be the first to fall. What What are you thinking? But besides all that, the Eagles are doing great. Right. <laughs> that was a hell of a resume you laid out there, man. Uh, no, I, I watched the game Sunday and I listened to the post game. And my first thought was, thank goodness I'm not doing this post game. Um, but Len had a good point. Uh, this team is really boring. And it's it's shocking coming from it's not that long ago, 2017, the Super Bowl year, when this was the most exciting team in football and being talked about as this is the team that everyone's going to copy going forward in terms of uh structuring their teams like cheap quarterback on a rookie year on a rookie deal uh, a couple of superstars and you mix in some smart aging free agent veterans right and that's that was kind of the blueprint and we went from that to like a team that i i i mean i in the in the out of the 30 some teams like who would want to be the eagles coach um who would want our quarterback yeah like almost i feel like we're like the 10th worst team in the league in terms of like talent and who would want to coach here and who would want to play here in a short amount of time. Like, I mean, the Carson Wentz thing, right? He, I, I, is he good? Is he bad? Right now he sucks. That's for sure. He's terrible. Yeah. Daniel Jones, um, to be honest with you watching that game. Um, but you're right. It's going to be Jim Schwartz. Uh, you know, somehow the Eagles defense is 15th overall in DVOA, but I watch the games you know, DVOA is not an all-encompassing stat, in my opinion. Uh, that that defense couldn't make a damn stop when they had to whatsoever. But conversely, you know, the 26th-rated Giants defense somehow stopped the Eagles over and over and over. On third down, too. Eagles were 0 for 9 on third down. I mean, holy freaking crap. Seriously, they convert two, thirds, uh, two third downs, they probably win this game. Literally. Couldn't convert on third down, not once. Yep. I mean, that, that's unheard of with this, with a Doug Peterson, whatever that means anymore, uh, run offense. Uh, uh, you know, not unfortunately, but yeah, Jim Schwartz is going to be, he's going to be the fall guy for this. Uh, I, I think that's how it's going to work out. I think after this year, I, I think the Eagles are not going to win the division. I think maybe the Giants might step up and actually pull it out, which is, I, I are you kidding me? What are the odds right now? You speak of gambling. I, yeah. should, <laughs> I should put $1,000 on the Giants right now. You should check it out. I do think it's going to be the Giants or Washington, actually, because if Alex Smith starts playing at yeah. a level, I was talking to uh, 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 our 
guy I interviewed on Table Talk this past week, Zach Ruff, was talking to him, and he was like, listen, if, if, if Alex Smith is able to put together games, not even he doesn't even have to be near where he was this past week, which was career-high passing uh, yardage for him. Like He doesn't have to do that every week, but if he stays average to consistent, th- then Washington is probably – has a great chance to win this division. The Giants do too. I mean, they got a tough schedule, I think, coming up. But uh, I, I think it's going to be one of those two teams. Yeah, I, I, Washington has a good defense. They're seventh overall in DVOA. Um, you know, I, I would go Giants just because of what I watched this past week. You know, who else has a really difficult schedule in the next five weeks? Our beloved Eagles. Oh, who probably will not win again till Christmas. Honestly, right. Um, I know that I, I was reading on Twitter. Oh, the Browns have COVID. That doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't think it matters whatsoever. Their roster is infinitely more talented than ours. Um, but getting back to the topic, I think Jim Schwartz is a goner after this season. And honestly, I think Doug Peterson then has next year, one more year to prove he can, he can coach. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if they're awful next year, the offense is, is, is stumbling all season. I think, I think Doug's gone after next year. I think he gets one more, reprieve one more chance and then uh, that they're gonna shockingly the team that won the super bowl not that long ago like it all of a sudden is like it, it, coachless every coach on that staff is gone the quarterback lord knows like we're paying him 36 million and he's throwing like 16 interceptions a year and what what the hell happened Jeff? i know what well, i it, it's really amazing how the fall from grace has happened with this Eagles team and how they're going to rebuild, but they have to rebuild from the coaching staff perspective, and it's got to start with Jim Schwartz too. The, the, the like I was well, saying, they they cannot continue to have this rigid type of n- n- not adjusting during the games. That stubbornness that he has brought uh, to his defensive scheming, they just can't have it anymore. Yeah, true. And uh, the problem is the rebuild probably shouldn't involve Howie either. That's, you know, that's oh, that part of the... That ain't going to happen, though. I mean, Jeffrey Lurie's not going to get rid of him. I, I understand that, but man... <laughs> I know. Look at the drafts. Yeah. They're, they're god-awful. There's just no talent on this team. Um, they, we used to be, like, two injuries away from, you know, the apocalypse. Now it's literally a single injury away. Yeah. And that offensive line just falls apart. It's, yeah. And that's because they have no depth. Yep, absolutely true, and uh, we're going to get into the Eagles a little bit more, uh, probably a little bit more, but this NFC East and just what a debacle and inept division that it is. We're going to, again, bring it on RJ Ochoa from bloggingtheboys.com, the Dallas Cowboys SB Nation site. He's going to join me to talk about just the ineptitude of the NFC East. I think it's going to be a pretty good discussion. Uh, Stick with us. We're going to take a quick break now. Listen to the ads. It helps us out. We're going to be back with our highbrow segment in just a bit. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, let's get to our highbrow segment of the week. And now, the highbrow segment. We needed to put some Phillies stuff in here this week, I guess. Or maybe it was, it, not we. I, sorry, I say we, me. <laughs> did we really? No, really? I, I guess we didn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to think of a highbrow segment that we can get into, Eric. And the search for the next general manager, like who's going to actually usher in this new era of baseball. Um, it's going to be a difficult task. And Ken Rosenthal and Jason Stark uh, recently wrote about this on the athletic. Um, it's not out of the question that finding the person who actually wants the job, that might actually be a significant task in and of itself because where this team is, the lack of a farm system, the lack of a direction, they are so top-heavy in terms of their salary that having a general manager come here who can really point this team in the right direction, I do not know if if Philly is going to be a destination place. And In fact, Justin Clue last week when I was talking to him touched on that as well. And I think that is one of the biggest components to finding whoever this next GM is going to be or finding and that's why I'm using the word finding like they're going through the haystack trying to find the needle and trying to just find somebody I don't know if there are going to be too many individuals Eric who are going to be clamoring for this position based on where this organization is right now yeah uh, a couple a couple of thoughts I remember years ago when uh, the fab five Michigan kind of kind of took over college basketball and everyone was just like oh this is the team they're gonna win everything and uh you know i remember watching uh, bill walton on a talk show and he was like they haven't beat anybody yet they're, they're not champions you can't just anoint yourself a champion and that you've arrived without beating you know the duke blue devils who wound up being them in the finals that year right right um, I, I feel like the phillies you know front office anointed themselves you know the, the destination in Major League Baseball and that we're this is the place where championships are going to be gonna, are just going to reside for the next however how many years. Not even close. I mean, I, re- I really do think they think extremely highly of themselves and that Philly is a destination point for all of the names mentioned in the article. Um, and I, I think they're sorely mistaken. I really do. Do you think it's I, because I, really quick? Do, do you think it's because Philly is a top media market? And that might be one of the reasons why John Middleton and even Andy McPhail have kind of thought that over the years. For sure. And they have a, they, they have a butt ton of money to work with. You know, they, they have money coming out of their ears. That, that Comcast media deal is, is absurd. So they, they have money in the coffers. It's just not being spent wisely. Uh, I think the reason why, I mean, I, would, would a GM rather be with the Tampa Bay Rays or with the Philadelphia Phillies? I'd take the Rays every day of the week oh, yeah and that's because look at the roster they have look at the, the look at the uh look at the farm system you know it's just it's just not there well, and it you comes do- to the drafting i mean it really does come to the to, to the draft i mean 
the Phillies are past the phase of their rebuild where they, you know, bottomed out and they've had five consecutive top 10 picks from what was it, 2014 to 2018. They've got nine seasons, of course, without being in the postseason at all. When Alec Bohm and uh, Aaron Nola are there only like stars that are quote on the rise? And I don't even know if you would call Aaron Nola on the rise at this point, but again, rosters top heavy, leaving very minimal payroll flexibility at all. Yeah, not much, uh, not much anymore. They've kind of hamstrung themselves uh, to the point where they're going to have to probably let Real Muto and Didi walk after giving up Sixto Sanchez. Nice move. Um, no, it, it again, it, you know, you compare it to compare our farm system and our roster to the Mets. I mean, I, I it says in the article, I think the Mets would be highly favored over the Phillies yeah. by any by any any uh, candidate. Um, no, uh, again, I, I also think the I also think the perception of the team is that you have a management uh, management front office that will meddle, that will that will have opinions and try and guide try and guide uh, roster decisions, and that's not what they're there for. But I do think that I do think the Phillies have that uh, I, they have that reputation across the league, and I think it's really going to affect them getting any sort of really really huge name like like Epstein you know sort of name to come in to, to come and GM this team it's a, it's a problem dude I mean Matt Klintak's been gone for how long now I mean how many weeks has he been oh it's been at least a couple months <laughs> at least that's what it feels like <laughs> and holy crap we're this is baseball it's it's coming around the corner like you have no one running the you have no one running like like the the draft no, you have no one, by the way a draft that this is the saddest thing you just brought up, and I, I just thought of it. You, you, you said they're at the tail end of their they're they're done with the rebuild. If if they're done with the rebuild, uh, they haven't made the playoffs. They haven't even got over five hundred. Exactly. And that's the rebuild. Holy crap! What a failure! <laughs> what a what a me- mega mega failure this was. Like th- those draft picks are horrible. I mean, you, you go back through and like Mickey Moniak was the top pick. I had I, so I, much hope. I saw I saw the kid play last spring and I'm like I, I like him but he was the number one pick my god like that what a what a bummer yeah of a draft pick there's really no one on those the, you go through the list like who 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 excites you from those drafts Sixo Sanchez does unfortunately he's on the Marlins <laughs> right <laughs> and we have nothing to show for it it's yeah the the drafts were a debacle much like Howie uh, you have no one running the general manager position right now uh, when. when Teams are going to start signing and making trades, and uh, and you have no name. You know, I, I haven't heard even heard a, a damn rumor on who could run this team. And the, I think, the, honestly, the Phillies' reputation—they think they they think so much highly of themselves more than uh, the rest of the league. You saw that executive's comments. I mean, that he. Oh yeah, in the, that, uh, in the uh, Rosenthal and Stark article. Oh yeah, I heard. I read that. I'm like, oh man. I, if he's saying it, that means there's probably at least 20, 30 more saying that same thing. Yeah. The, the Philly's reputation is like kind of kind of garbage right now. Uh, it's going to take some time for this organization to just get out of the mud. And they're going to be there for a while. So, um, all right. Yeah. Good, uh, good short highbrow segment. <laughs> 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 Let's now move on to our lowbrow segment of the week. Yeah. I am now. 
All right, we're bringing back co-host questions this week. We're going to ask each other two personal questions or sports-related questions. Two questions in general, and they could be personal or sports-related. So, um, Eric, I'm going to start with you, buddy, okay? This first one is a sports question. I might know the answer to it based on what we were talking about earlier, but what sport do you try to watch every now and then you try to get into it, but you just can't like, is there a specific sport that where you're just like, I'm, I'm trying here, but I, I just can't do it. Uh, it's pretty easy. Actually. I'd say hockey. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And, and, and I do a podcast. We cover all four sports teams and yeah, one of them I have a hard time watching. So, <laughs> so I, I would say soccer as well, but I, that's mine. Soccer. So- soccer moves quicker, though, for me. I, I don't know. Like, Really? I, I feel like, so- yes. I-, I feel like soccer on a Sunday afternoon, I'm watching my buddy Dave, who comes down. We, we have a few beers and want- put some money on the games. And for some reason, those games feel like they go two hours and boom, they're done. And we go to the next one. I don't, I don't even think twice. Like, I don't know. Hockey, to me, sometimes is a grind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I-, I guess I can see where you're coming from with that. Like, with hockey, I love the action. For me, soccer, I'm just watching these guys. And listen, I understand the athleticism. These guys are freaking incredible. But it, it's, I'm like, all right, would you just get to the ball? All right, you just, all right, you just kicked it 50 yards. Now run and get it. And I'm trying. I really am trying. Every time the World Cup is on, I try my best to get into it. I just can't. I do love the World Cup. I'll say that. For some reason, when you make it about countries, uh, maybe because I'm just war-minded. I don't know. Right. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you bring it bring it down to country level, uh, for some reason that really pumps me. I, I I can watch World Cup all day long. But yeah, hockey. I don't know. Uh, the playoffs were really good. I'll say that. I the playoff hockey is is awesome, and I will watch that. Um, it does help if the Flyers are playing. Right. I mean, I, I, but I have to admit, I didn't watch a single game of the Stanley Cup Finals. Not one second. So, oh, what is that? Good. <laughs> it was good. If you say so. If you say so. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your first co-host question for me? Okay. Um, no swearing in this episode, so I'm gonna. I'll put it this way. <laughs> what What is your biggest? What is the biggest moment of your life? Um, maybe childhood related. Is, it would be a good one because I, I have a couple. I, I thought of when I thought of this question is, what's the biggest moment of your life? Biggest holy cow moment. Like, oh, my God, I didn't see that coming. Like, holy crap. This is a good one. I would say if it was, like, from the time when I was a, when I was a kid. So, like, my buddies and I, you know, we used to just, like, ride our bikes around the neighborhoods and stuff like that. And sometimes we would, like, go up this, like, we'd go up this hill where there'd be, like, uh, a wooded area. A lot of trails and stuff like that. We'd ride our bikes through there. Sometimes, like, we'd just keep our bikes like in the street basically and just walk in these trails and stuff is, so is a dead body, is a dead body coming no no what? not okay. dead body no no very much the uh, what i would say is the opposite so we're walking along and we get to the point where we can't go any further because the delaware river is like right in front of us basically and i look down i look over at this rock and i see like this paper stuff and i just happen to look over and it's it, it's a page from an adult magazine and it changed my life forever <laughs> at that point. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, the the majority of boys, I mean, kids our age now, 
their their first experience with a porn mag is typically in the woods. So that that's not uncommon. But your, yours was found. Mine, you know, mine was a, a buddy brought it. With oh, him. okay, yeah. I found I found this thing, and I was like, oh my! It was like right right around that time, you know, where you're, you know, you're going through the the, the changes. And I I saw some stuff, and I was like, oh my god! <laughs> I, I yeah, I do remember the first time you look, and you're just like, you're just shocked. Yeah, it, it really. It's like it's like the biggest holy s moment. Like oh my, like what's going on with me now? What's happening to my body? Well, it's like I've only ever seen that on my television with squiggly lines because you know you go to the Showtime Cinemax thing, you don't get it, but you kind of try and you know you kind of see a nipple or something in there but yeah like but yeah it's the first time you actually see it see it and you're like oh, that's not what i imagined right I was not expecting that yeah nice nice good question i like that one all was right it, what'd you say it was a good, that was a good question that was a good question i liked it all right my next and last one for you um non-sports related when it comes to like tech and computers do you tend to favor PC or Apple products? Uh, let me think. I know you have uh, an iPhone. I do. I do. I, I'll be honest. I have an iPhone primarily for two reasons. One, all of you guys, my friends, and my family have one. And uh, Apple Music, really. Those are really the two reasons. Okay. Um, I've, I, my, the best phone I ever had was the Samsung S3 when it first came out in like 2012. Uh, that, that phone was awesome. Um, that was probably my favorite phone, but I, I think I definitely lean, I think I, I would lean PC. I've oh never really? Had okay. Yeah. I, um, the laptops I have at my, my job now are just are phenomenal. Um, best of and right now. I mean, I'm, I'm recording through a nine year old, uh, HP laptop. That has cobwebs on it. And it's still working, buddy. I, I I know. I sent you a picture of the cursor two weeks ago. And you it's, did. It's, I... it's like a it's like a razor blade saw. It's it, so it, bizarre. It, it went from an arrow to like a razor blade thing. Maybe I'll post it on Twitter, and it won't change back. I don't know what I don't know what that is. Like I've never seen it before in my life. But it's but still it's, working. What, yes, I, I've, I've recorded every show on this dumb thing. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. All right. Uh, what's your last question for me? Okay, uh, next week is Thanksgiving. I'm not going to ask the corny question of, like, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? Uh, but potatoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm probably stovetop for you. Um, there's I a love stuffing. Story from the past. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, but let me ask you this. Uh, I, I've been asked this question. If, if, uh, if, if okay, s- starting tomorrow, right, you throw out diet, you throw out uh you know what it does to your body. Um, there's just there's no diet ramifications, right? I do that anyway. Yes. So <laughs> just imagine your normal life. <laughs> but this is where it gets weird. You have you can only eat one thing for the rest of your life, and that I mean that's it. Morning, noon, and at, and night. That's all you can eat. Ooh. You can only eat one thing the rest of your life. And again, it doesn't affect your heart, your uh, cholesterol. Your weight, anything. Ooh, what do you pick? this is this is tough. I mean, it's I actually think it's going to be a carb. It's going to be a carb. Okay. I would say, either, I would say either stuffing <laughs> or 
pasta, and I'm probably gonna I'm I'm just probably gonna go with pasta. Yeah, like, but you got to pick a specific pasta. Okay. Like yeah. I, I, I'm picking rigatoni. But what kind of sauce? Like, what's in the sauce? What's in the sauce? Yeah, what's in the sauce? I'm taking. Oof. I'm taking. Uh, I'm going to take meat sauce. <laughs> what, what kind of meat? This is you're terrible at this. Oh, ground beef. Okay, okay, thank you, Tony. <laughs> with ground beef sauce. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right. I think rigatoni with ground beef meat sauce. I think I think that's what I would do, but. I'll tell you, stuffing and other carbs like mashed potatoes and stuff, that comes in a close second and third for sure because I, I, I need carbs. I need carbs. Exactly. It's funny how you yeah. – I, I don't care. I'm going to tell everybody. The the stovetop – store. there would be times, you know, you go to the grocery store and you can get like a tube of stovetop. I don't know if it's like that in everybody's grocery store, but there are times when I would actually do that in the past. I haven't done it in a very long time, but I would take – like half of that stovetop stuffing and just eat it for lunch. <laughs> okay, you open the door to your yeah. stovetop stories. Here, here's here's my stovetop story. Okay. You. Okay, so in 2005, me, you, my wife, uh, my brother, and Len, and, uh, and my dog Bogart, we go down, in the, we down the shore, we uh, Dewey Beach, and you know you go to the beach, you kind of eat light typically. You don't you yeah. tend to eat a lot of carbs because you're hanging out on the beach. You know, I want to look a little slim, maybe. Uh, the the big grocery trip at the beginning of the week. Jeff comes home with a gigantic box of stovetop, and one afternoon it rains, and we stay in and we drink and play trivia pursuit. Oh my god! And Jeff makes the entire box of stovetop and eats it for lunch, <laughs> <laughs> like a mountain of stovetop, and ate the whole thing. <laughs> The whole thing. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> I love stuffing, man. I love stuffing. I, I haven't done it in I, so long, though. I, I, I saw. I watched you do it. I was like, I can't oh, believe this. this I got to get back to it. <laughs> no, you don't. No, that, no. It's a cautionary tale, people. Don't do it. <laughs> I need a new addiction. Gambling. Stovetop. <laughs> Oh man, nice! I love that. I'm, I'm glad we were able to get that story. Uh, let the cat out of the bag there. <laughs> I like that. When, I, when he when he says stovetop, I'm like, I really wanted to tell the beach stovetop story. So if he says anything, I'm I'm doing it. I'm glad we told it. I'm glad we did. Yeah. Uh, all right, buddy. I'm gonna let you go. Um, we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we are gonna get to what we were throwing down on the table this week. Got some NFC East football talk, but let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. All right, now let's get to what we are throwing down on the table. And now, on the table. All right, who is going to win the NFC East? That's what we're going to be talking about this week on the PST Podcast Show. And joining us to talk about this god-awful division, he is one of our favorite guests here on the show. You may have heard him on our Table Talk show every now and again. It's been some time since we've had him on from blogandtheboys.com. Does a fantastic job over there, Mr. RJ Ochoa. RJ, man, how are you, buddy? 
I'm doing well, Jeff. Uh, it's always great to be with you. I'm waiting on some colder weather. Uh, oh, and, uh, I'll give some yeah, to you. <laughs> I, I really uh, enjoyed the Masters, so I've got that from a sporting perspective. Same. Uh, you know, things um, th- things are all right, I think. Uh, things are fun, and, and you know, um, they've certainly been worse, and so it's great to be with you. It's great It's great to have you on. And really quick with the Masters, because I'm a huge golf fan. I know you play golf. I, I play golf, and it was great to see the Masters being played even in November, man. <laughs> Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was kind of, you know, um, I had an existential moment where it was, it was sort of, uh, it was sort of beautiful to see the course like flawed. You know what I mean? Like yeah, to yeah. See, see, see like brown grass at Augusta. It just, it kind of made, you know, next time like my shirt's a little untucked, I'm just going to say, you know what? Even Augusta <laughs> has flaws. And so uh, I'll, I'll be fine kind of showing that out to the world. All right. I like that a lot. <laughs> if you're not following RJ on Twitter, at RJ Ochoa, <laughs> he's a fantastic follow. Um, so let's get into this NFC East, RJ. Um, our guest this past week on our Table Talk show and interview, he and I, we discussed why the NFC East is so bad. I got his perspective on it. And I'd love to get your take because it is astonishing how bad these teams apparently want to be. Philly, Dallas, Washington, New York. How in the world is this division, which actually does have a decent amount of talent within it, so freaking bad? What are your thoughts, man? I think that there are two um, two different camps, right? I think that New York and Washington have had some cultural problems for a while. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm from a cultural standpoint, I'm a huge Jason Garrett fan. I believe he's one of the kinder classier people that's, that's ever been in the NFL. And so just, you know, I'm hopeful that he can kind of get that turned around. Although, um, New York as a whole is, is sort of contaminated from an NFL standpoint oh, yeah. uh, with, with both, with both teams there. But, uh, Washington has, has, I mean, is a, is a very different, you know, sort of cultural issue. And, uh, Ron Rivera has, has had personal tribulations this year obviously and and yeah i i honestly think that washington's the favorite to win the division i, I mean that with no disrespect no that's what uh, my guest I, said this past week too on the table talk show <laughs> saying seriously he's saying if alex smith is actually able to play at a at even like an average level a decent level of play washington's probably going to run away with the uh, division right and i think that that's part of it too is that those two teams in particular have had quarterback issues for a long time um i mean like I don't know the answer, but like, what was the last version of Eli Manning that you were scared of? You know what I mean? It's, it's been a long time. Yeah. And who was, who was like 2000, you've got 2012 RG three. And then what have, what has that franchise had this century? Exactly. You know, it's been nothing. Um, And so I think that that's been the problem with those two teams. I I also, you know, when, when it comes to Dallas and Philadelphia, they've both been extremely unlucky from an injury standpoint. Um, and I think that there's a little bit of hubris, honestly. I think that both of these teams, for for good reason, probably thought we can just cakewalk, right? We we can look at this thing. This this thing is so bad, which which is true. Uh, we we should be able to win this division handily. And then injuries happen. And um, I know we've we've had fun with this topic before, but I mean this in, in total seriousness and with no disrespect. I, I do think there's a quarterback issue in, in Philadelphia specifically. Obviously, the Cowboys don't have theirs, but. Um, I, I think that that is, that is a big problem. I think, um, in, in talking to other Eagles people, I've, I've, I've speculated openly who has the longest leash associated with the Eagles, whether it's Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, or Howie Roseman. And I think that if it were me, Carson would have the shortest. Um, but it, it seems like, I don't know. It just, it seems like those three people don't necessarily have the same 
I don't want to say intentions or, or priorities, but but for whatever reason, their priorities and intentions and motivations don't line up, and and that just is is very 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 broken in a very obvious way. Yeah, really quick with regard to the Philadelphia Eagles and the quarterback position, something I've been talking about on this podcast show is one specific word with regard to the entire situation, and that's trust. There is trust that Carson Wentz doesn't appear to have with regard to the right. coaching staff. Coaching staff doesn't appear to have trust with regard to Carson Wentz at this point. Who the front office trusts, we're not 100% sure. But I think trust really is the number one issue when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles at this point. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I don't, you know, I know we've talked about this before. I don't blame Carson Wentz for being apprehensive towards his organization. I, I know he went through an extremely unique uh, and difficult circumstance with the Nick Foles factor three years ago, but. Um, I, and I hate to like make, I don't know if you view this as a molehill, but I hate to make a mountain out of it. If you do like the Jalen hurts thing, that would really bother me. Like, absolutely. It, 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 but it would, I know this sounds, it would bother me how much it bothered me if I was Carson once. Like right. I would be, I, I would be so bothered that I couldn't get over that, but I don't think anybody faults him for, for, I hate to use the word insecure because it has such a negative connotation, but for being insecure about it, I mean, he has been, you know, he has been incredibly unsupported by the most important people in that organization. And so uh, the Howie Rosemans, the Doug Petersons, whoever you want to put that blame on, um, they really only have themselves to blame. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my, my follow-up question after the last one, RJ, is, you know, while I hated, hated watching the Eagles-Giants game this past week and then having <laughs> to do a freaking post-game podcast show about it, um, just because these teams are slow, so sloppy when they get on the field. Part of me, though, is act, like there's this part of me that's actually intrigued about who is actually going to win this division. Just as much intrigue as I may have about who's going to win the NFC West because there's three, six, and three teams in the, that division at the moment. I mean, are you feeling any of that intrigue at all as to, wow, can New York do this? Could could the Cowboys pull this off if they actually do get some consistency with quarterback play, or might you said like you said earlier, might Washington be being able to do it? I mean, do you have that intrigue at all? Yeah, I certainly do, and I, I think it's this really interesting game of hot potato of sorts in that um, you know at, at present moment Dallas, New York, and Washington all have what, like top six draft picks, while the Philadelphia Eagles hold the NFC's title, and, and obviously the season doesn't end today. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, and, and yeah. you know, we can all we can all make jokes and everything, but but winning the NFC East is going to be incredibly costly for one of these four teams because they're all in dire need of resets in in different ways. Yeah. Um, and and a great way to do that is obviously w with a top draft choice. And so um, I I I don't I mean I don't think any of these teams would tell you they don't want to win the division. Obviously, but but there I I truly believe the most disgruntled fan base over the course of the entire offseason. Uh, it's going to be the team that wins it. I will add the qualifier, though, um, that if wh whoever wins this division, I, I think it's possible because that's the way the NFL works, that they're going to win that wild card game just because football is so because. weird. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and then th that will that will completely shift the, the narrative of the NFC East being lowly, whatever, et cetera. Uh, but, yeah, I, I am very intrigued because – I mean, you know, the difference between winning it and not winning it is the 19th overall pick versus like the sixth. And that, that is a really dramatic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was wondering what your thoughts are when it comes to playoff type situations here. You just mentioned the playoffs. What, what are your thoughts on a, a, about a team coming out of the NFC West who will likely have a better record than the NFC East division winner, yet still not making the playoffs? Personally, I think it really stinks. I think season records really do speak for themselves about the kind of football team that you've been seeing all season. 
One of these NFC West teams is likely going to get screwed because whoever wins the division in the NFC East is obviously going to get a playoff spot. And because, I mean, there is tradition there, of course, with regard to how they see or how they, what teams certainly make the playoffs, division winners do. But, like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, th- do you think it's rough that there's a team that can have a better record than a division winner and they're still going to get screwed in the process? You know, um, I, I am a football traditionalist and I hate to be, you know, I'm, I'm only 31. So I'm not this like old man, get off my lawn thing. Uh, yeah, I'll, but, I'll take that um, mantle. <laughs> uh, but I, I like, um, you know, like I've been, I've been rewatching, uh, the first season of Peyton's places to get ready for season two. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. I, I like the way things have been since the divisional realignment. I'm very bothered that there's going to be a 17th game next year because the math of everything is going to be thrown out the window. Um, and so, it, it, it obviously it's easy to say, you know, if, if these situations are reversed and if Dallas and Philadelphia and New York say we're, we're all six and three, we'd both be sitting here like endlessly complaining about how it's unfair, whatever. Right. Um, but but that's that's the way it is. And I, I, I hate myself for having that take, but I, I have always enjoyed that. I mean, teams have missed the playoffs with double digit wins. And um, I, I think it's possible that, that all three of the top teams in the NFC West still make it, especially with the third wild card added. But. Uh, but yeah, it, it will be unfortunate and it will be frustrating. There's no doubt about that. Um, I will say I am a bigger fan of finding a way to, you know, take care of that arbitrary team. Because we, we also we act like this happens every year, right? When, when it right. really doesn't. Um, but the, the one thing and I don't know if this is tied to the answer, but that, that I am vehemently against is the idea that has been thrown out to, OK, fine, if you win your division, you're in. But we're going to seed you based off of overall st- records and standings. So that makes no sense. To me. I agree with you. I, too. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I agree. Like the, the whole point of like, again, maybe my perspective and priorities are just warped, but the whole point and coolness of winning your division is awesome. We get the caps, we get the t-shirts, we get the home playoff game, you know, right. like, and if, if you, if you reseed them, you're just the NBA. And I like the, the, Confident or the divisions in the NBA mean nothing, and I don't want the divisions to mean nothing in the NFL. Right, exactly. I, I think that's a very good correlation right there. I really do. Uh, moving along here, though, RJ. Last time you were on the show, which was back in the spring, I think back in April, uh, we we talked about the Cowboys' defense and. At that time, you were concerned with the direction the team was going in at the time, but you did have some hope. You had some glimmer of hope for the future. Where are you at right now when it comes to analyzing how that direction has gone and where do you see it heading in the future? Well, um, you know, fortunately for the Cowboys, they've just played the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as the most recent game, so they've, they've sort of proven themselves to not be a total disaster. Um, and I think that that's like that's I'm I'm super fascinated right now, honestly, because the Cowboys are coming off their bye, their first one under Mike McCarthy, seemingly the largest opportunity he's had this year, right, to kind of get his feet under him uh, with, with everything that has happened, both worldwide and, and injury related. Um, and so defensively, yeah, I guess this is sort of a Mike McCarthy answer. I'm not down on Mike McCarthy. I don't think it makes sense to move on. Again, as noted, there are so many in particular qualities that this year that, that made it very difficult. And so I don't think you can hold that against him. The one demerit on his, his Dallas Cowboys resume, as far as I'm concerned, is the hiring of Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. There was no evidence to support that uh, when he did it. The, the only you know sort of logic behind it was that they're buddies and that they're pals and that they you know went back to, the, to their time together with the San Francisco 49ers. And so... 
Um, I am concerned. Uh, I, I would never want to call for somebody else's job, but I would be concerned if there was not an adjustment made there over the offseason. Um, Talent-wise, um, you know, we spoke before the Cowboys signed Everson Griffin. Uh, so I'll say at that point, a lot of Cowboys people really thought that this this could be a legitimate pass rush. And right. obviously some of it's dictated by an offense that's able to score a lot, and, and that didn't happen, and Dak Prescott got hurt. But um, they've been incredibly disappointing. And I think the face of that, the, the microcosm of that, is, is Jalen Smith. And the fact that, that you and I can even sit here and, and complain or, or you know dissect Jalen's game is, is a miracle, just the fact that he's even in the NFL Absolutely. now. Yep. Um, but the, you know, the cold reality is that he is – he is arguably the worst starting linebacker in the NFL. Um, and, and, and that, I think, is still part of the cultural, to use that word again, issue with the Cowboys and their defense specifically, is that they just kind of, they pick their guys, they like their guys, that's who you know, gets, gets the big-time contracts, gets to wear, wear the captain's patch or whatever you want to call it, and uh, they trot them out there because that's where their money is and they aren't focused on improvement. They, the Cowboys did stumble into Trayvon Diggs uh, out of Alabama, who is now on injured reserve himself. So th- there's mild hope, but there's no question that it needs a, a dramatic overhaul outside of Trayvon and outside of Demarcus Lawrence. And, and if Leighton Vanders can stay healthy, obviously that changes everything. But, but even that's come into question once again this year. Yeah. You certainly haven't seen Alex Singleton of the Philadelphia Eagles play linebacker, have you? <laughs> uh, these these are the the debates we're having now which is uh incredibly uh, 2020 in and of itself really i mean listen if you want to take jim schwartz off our hands too feel free at this point really <laughs> feel free I, I, and listen jim schwartz we love him we hate him here in eagles nation however when you have a a a, a star cornerback and the first time this Philadelphia Eagles organization has actually had like a true number 1 cornerback in Darius Slay and you're basically playing him 20 yards off the free, <laughs> off the off his uh, uh wide receiver he's covering it's egregious it should be a crime <laughs> yeah and and you know i think that kind of goes back to the hubris point i had yeah. um and, and i think that you know, pe- the the like old adage is, oh, you build your team to win your division, right? And I mean, I I, I certainly can't speak for Howie Roseman, but it seems like that that move was made in large part to stop Amari Cooper, right? And and we never really got to see that, right? Because we didn't get to see like the Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper, Amari. Yeah. Um. But but that that seems incredibly short sighted to say the least. And um and and I think that that's how these teams have worked. And I, I think that I, I question the Cowboys far more than I question the Eagles just because they're far more removed from a Super Bowl victory than Philadelphia is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there, there are problems at every level of every NFC East team, which is, is uh, really the fascination of this year. Absolutely. All right. Well, moving on here, RJ, I'd like to go through all the NFC East teams with you, and I'd like to hear from you in terms of honing in on one thing that they're going to need to do to win the division because it is up in the air, of course, at this point. Let's start off with your Dallas Cowboys. What's one thing that they need to do to win the division? One thing that you're honing in on, what could they do? Man, um, if they could, you know, the Cowboys are getting a little healthy, um, relatively speaking. Um, and and I think I think if they can get stable quarterback play, their defense is finally playing like, you know, like a not worst defense of all time defense. And um, I mean, you know, of the Cowboys seven remaining games, the Eagles included six of them are against teams with a below 500 record. 
And so there's all the reason in the world to believe that if they morph into like the, you know, even like the 23rd best team in the NFL, that they could, you know, they could legitimately do this. And so um, I know people are down on Andy Dalton and Garrett Gilbert played well against Pittsburgh. We really haven't seen Andy. You know, he, he came in to finish the game against the New York Giants. He had the one game against the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football. I think we've we've learned a lot since then about the Cardinals to know that they are an elite team. And yeah. that might have been part of the problem. Uh, and then he was hurt against Washington. And so um, I'm, I'm excited to see Andy against, you know, some bad teams, which wasn't the case against Arizona. And so if, if they can get that, I mean, uh, you know, it's possible in the sense that anything's possible. But uh, but without that, they're going to continue struggling. I mean, since Dak Prescott went down, um, they, they scored a touchdown on that drive that Dallas Cowboys did. Since since that happened, they have scored two touchdowns yeah um and so um they they need help they need help a lot in that capacity okay well next the washington football team what's one thing they're going to need to do to win this division i think they just have to survive i know that's kind of weird and and a silly way to put it but i i do think the other teams will kind of fall all over themselves um you know i i think washington if, if they win three games they're in and and two of them have to be there the remaining nfc east games which are at dallas next thursday on thanksgiving day and at philadelphia to wrap up the season yeah if they win just one of their other games and i, I think there are two candidates uh, i believe they visit the san francisco 49ers in week 14 that's a you know however much you put into like traveling across the country you know that's a factor or whatever but that team is obviously a, a bit down although very well coached but to me I think they could finish the season with two wins in a row if they do beat the Eagles because the week before that, they host the Carolina Panthers. And I do think there's something to, let's do this for Ron Rivera. You know, like there's there, there's that quality and that factor. And, and Teddy Bridgewater's, you know, now a little bit, you know, on ice, so to speak. And so um, I, I think that that might be enough. And so I, they just are simply, you know, they're like third in line. Or, or like actually to go back to golf, like, you know how like when you approach a hole that looks like a disaster and you don't have to tee off first? That's oh, the yeah. best thing ever. Oh, absolutely. You get to watch your, yeah, like you get to watch your buddy like sail it left or whatever. And you're like, <laughs> well, that's a terrible idea. I'm just going to, you know, hit my three wood instead. Like that's who Washington is right now. They, they just have to stay out of their way and then lay up. Absolutely. And they've already beat the Philadelphia Eagles first game of the season. And that was with Dwayne Haskins. So they get more consistent quarterback play, too. I think things are going to be looking up for the Washington football team. What about the New York Giants, RJ? What's the one thing they're going to need to do to win the division? Uh, um, I don't know that I fully think this. So please don't hold it against me. Okay. But <laughs> they they might have the best quarterback in the division at the moment in Daniel Jones. Um, I wouldn't argue. Just, I would not argue yeah, that with you. It's crazy. I mean, and so – I think they just have to like they have to ride Daniel Jones, and it's it's very strange to see Jason Garrett um, utilize his quarterback's mobility. It certainly would have been nice to see over the last four years, uh, but um, but I think that's it. I mean, and they've got a, a, a tough road to hoe. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy to think we won't see them again until after Thanksgiving. But at Cincinnati, at Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, at Baltimore. I, I mean, you know, I, I know they're already I. I People keep saying this is a joke. I think five is the magic number. I think you get to five wins, and I think you have a legitimate shot at winning this thing. And Gosh. they'll have to, they'll have to beat Cincinnati to do it. But I will say it would be incredibly Jason Garrett 
um, to lose to the Cowboys in Week 17 and give the Cowboys the <laughs> NFC East title and dramatically ruin their draft. Oh, God. <laughs> How amazing would that be? What a storyline. My gosh. Uh, all right. Last but not least, Philadelphia Eagles. What's the one thing they're going to need to do to win this division? So at present moment, I think the the best person at their job in the NFC East, and I'm talking all players, all coaches, is Doug Peterson. And I recognize that that is an unpopular opinion uh, in the city of brotherly love right now. I but almost fell I, off I, my chair right now. <laughs> I really, but I, I don't think he's he's having a fair shake of it. That's my perspective. I think that to, to the point we, we made about a lack of trust from Carson Wentz, potentially, I I, I mean, again, I, I don't know if there's pressure to play Jalen Hurts or not to play Jalen Hurts or whatever the case may be, but there there is some brokenness that I think is beyond Doug Peterson's control. And I, I do I've, – I've said to you many times that of, of all the teams in the NFC East, but specifically between the Cowboys and Eagles, the Eagles are a far greater let's dig in, let's fight, let's survive team. They're, right. they're capable of, of doing that. They're, if anyone's backed into a corner of these four teams, the, the one I would bet on 10 out of 10 times is the Eagles, specifically because of Doug Peterson. And so I think they have to, they have to put some dog masks on. Like that's, that's what the Eagles have to do. They have to figure out a way – uh, to to move on to to get out of this, and that's what every team has to do ultimately. But I just think they have the best shot of it. I mean, the NFC East has ten wins collectively. Do you know how many have come outside of the division? <laughs> how many at this point? Two, two. The, the Eagles, okay. the Eagles beating the Niners and the Cowboys beating the Falcons, and I I just I find that to be amazing. And I know that Philly has a really tough schedule coming up themselves. What is it? Cleveland, Seattle, Green Bay, New Orleans, yep. Arizona. I'm, yep. They probably. They, honestly, they probably lose all of those games. And, and and I think that if anyone can just dig in and stop the skid, it's Doug Peterson. So he really just has to stop the skid, which is obviously a lot more difficult than it sounds. Absolutely. Again, talking to RJ Ochoa from bloggingtheboys.com, at RJ Ochoa on Twitter. And uh, you're, doing, you're doing some other uh, podcasts with SB Nation, right? That's right. Um, we uh, we have another show. We have another feed called the SB Nation NFL show where we cover the league as a whole. Um, it, you can hear myself, Pete Sweeney, who covers the Chiefs for SB Nation, and Michael Kist, uh, who uh, works over at Bleeding Green Nation. Yeah, good we, friend uh, of us, too. Yep. Yeah, we, ch- we chop it up every week. Um, you know, obviously, if, if things are big with the Cowboys or Eagles, we touch on that. Uh, and it's it's been um, it, it's been painful to talk about the NFC East lately. Uh, but um, but that, that's just kind of the way it's gone. All right. And last question for you, RJ. I mean, straight up, and I think I know what your answer is going to be here based on our discussion here. Who do you think is going to win the NFC East as we're heading into week 11 here? I think it's going to be Washington. Um, I honestly do. Um, but but I do think the if, if I think the betting favorite person or a character in this story is Doug Peterson – I think the wild card is Mike McCarthy, and that's why I'm fascinated to watch. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated to get to December first, yeah, uh, b- because I think it's 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 possible that the Cowboys are in first place uh, at that point. Because if you look at it between now and then, Washington hosts Cincinnati and is at Dallas. Obviously, the Cowboys can impact half of that, but I, I think you and I both probably would take the Bengals over Washington this right, week. Right, right. Uh, New, New York's on by, but then they play the Bengals next week. I think we would both take Cincy there. I, I think uh, Philly, we both already said we would have them losing to Cleveland and then Seattle on Monday Night Football. And so I think it's possible that the only two wins that come in the NFC East over the next 10 or so days, um, what, how many days, 11, whatever, 
um, are the Cowboys beating the Vikings because the Vikings are very bad, as, as we well know. And then somebody has to win between Dallas and Washington on Thanksgiving Day. And if, if Dallas wins both those games, which is certainly not easy to do for them this year, they would legitimately on December 1st be in first place with four wins. Um, and, and so that's why, I, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Mike McCarthy did something uh, during the bye week that he called across the hall where he had his offensive coaches work with his defensive coaches and vice versa, et cetera. It gave me uh, shades of Juan Castillo. Uh, which oh, yeah. is obviously not, not a great thing. Nope. Uh, but but, but the, the Cowboys did look competent against Pittsburgh. And I worry because I am Team Tank that they maybe have, you know, sort of gotten this ragtag group together and are going to figure out a way to win two or three more games, which ultimately might be enough. Um, so, um, yeah, I think Washington, uh, I think Philly's, you know, got a chance. Um, but but I I actually think the Phillies got a chance take is, is slowly going to dwindle because their schedule is just so tough uh, over the next month. Absolutely. Oh, man. I got to tell you, it was great talking to you, though, RJ. Always enlightening coming from uh, the perspective from a gentleman in Cowboys Nation, my friend. And I hope that you will come on again, talk about the NFC East, some NFL football down the road. Thanks so much for joining us this week, man. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Have a good one. RJ was making some great points throughout that interview and discussion. I don't know how to feel, everybody. I don't know how to feel about where I want this Eagles team to go. I don't know how I feel about the rest of the teams in the NFC East either. I mean, three of these teams are going to get the opportunity in next year's draft to acquire some very good talent. Now, am I going to trust the Philadelphia Eagles necessarily with their uh, first couple picks? It's going to be interesting to see where they are projected at the end of December because I'm just not feeling the fact that they're going to win this NFC East division just like RJ was talking about. I think it is actually going to be either the Washington football team or the New York Giants, quite frankly, because as we said at the end of our postgame, show this past week Len and I talking about Daniel Jones being a better quarterback than Carson Wentz at this point Daniel Jones like we were saying in this interview here with RJ Daniel Jones is the best quarterback in this NFC East at this point unless Alex Smith continues to uh, move down a trajectory and move down a path I should say that uh, that he showed us this past week but the NFC East is going to be extremely interesting to follow even though the games are terrible, even though they've been boring, most of them, I should say, have been boring, it's going to be intriguing to follow who the heck wins this god-awful division. So we're going to be keeping tabs on it here moving forward. Follow us on Twitter at Philadelphia PST. If you are new to the show, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey underscore Warren. Follow Eric at Brick Pollitt, Len at Len Hunsicker. And make sure you rate and review the show if you have not already. We would greatly appreciate that on uh, whatever podcast platform you are on, specifically Apple Podcasts. It does help us out there. Head on over to our Patreon platform as well. You can get additional content on a weekly, monthly basis as we uh, uh, do more interviews over there. Patreon.com slash Philadelphia PST. Again, Patreon.com slash Philadelphia PST. You can help out and support the show. I think that's going to do it, everybody. So I hope you have a great rest of your week. Go Philly sports. Did you hear the enthusiasm in my voice? Go Philly sports. (laughs) Take care. We'll catch you next time.